A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are ASAP Science here to make things make Today we are talking to Katie Mack, the famous cosmologist and author of the new book, The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking. So truly today we're going to be talking about the end of the universe, also the beginning of the universe, the Big Bang, and it is, I think, one of the most interesting conversations maybe I've ever had in my life with one of the smartest people that we've ever freaking met. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but first, what did we learn this week? Oh, what did we learn this week? All right. Greg, what did you learn this week? <laughs> so I, you know, stayed in the uh, world of astronomy um, because today we are talking about cosmology and we're really zooming out. Okay. Um, I was reading Katie Mack's book, which I just want to say is absolutely incredible. I say that a billion times during the interview. Not a billion. That's hyperbolic, of course. <laughs> but I just want to say it again. So I learned a lot from that book. But what I'm going to be talking about today was just that I was reading um, about some new numbers and estimates that people have come up with based on the size of our galaxy and the shape of our galaxy and the mass of our galaxy that they think there's probably between a hundred billion stars to two to 400 billion stars. So there's like an estimate, okay. but there's, they think there's that many stars, which I just think is res- wild. <laughs> wild. Like we're zooming out today and it's just like, I you know, we have the sun, we have the earth, we have the moon, we have Elon Musk talking about, you know, <laughs> Starting on the moon, like we like we think that's zooming out, but then it's like okay, there's at least a hundred billion stars in our galaxy, and for comparison, a hundred billion is approximately the number of people who have ever lived on Earth. So the amount of people who have ever really existed in this universe is the amount the the smallest humans, yeah, of of humans, yeah. Uh, is the smallest amount of stars there are in our galaxy. So just like that's a little, you know, um. And just our galaxy. Just our galaxy. An entrance into the type of sort of like large space concepts that we're going to yes. be thinking about today, which I love to think about. It really makes me like Yeah, feel but uh, you're right. You kind of have to get in the mindset to be like, okay, like these massive things that are like so not unrelatable to me, but like so so out of my daily context. Yeah, like it's I, I, I the size of things and even even large or so small. Yeah, exactly. And I find that I in um quarantine like with the way the world's going i think I, I do find myself zooming out a lot like a lot of stress and anxiety in my life i find this to be a very therapeutic thing that like thinking about the fact that there's a hundred billion stars at least in my in my in my galaxy <laughs> i don't know i think sometimes can be really helpful if you're ever having like a stressful time on like the acute day-to-day life that you're living of course it can lead to existential dread which happens to me every august yeah, i feel like we, it's a fine line yeah that's yeah, a fine line it's like anxiety excitement you know they're very similar physiologically and so it can be both but um i don't know i just 
her book is amazing. That stat to me is amazing. And I love space and I love that I'm able to exist and evolve within it. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh is there anyone who's not <laughs> able to exist and evolve in space? <laughs> I but mean, that's a beautiful thing. No, that's what I mean. I think that it's so like <laughs> life is so beautiful, but I, th- I don't think necessarily a lot of people maybe use that zooming out approach to oh it. Like, fair. it might be helpful fair. No, maybe. That's fair. I, I, so I didn't mean that i meant like we all exist within space yeah imagine i was like and what it made me realize is that i'm the only person who exists <laughs> ever all Kidding. right um this week i came across a new research paper so now we're going to zoom in a little bit to earth they are predicting that the population of earth will start shrinking in just over 50 years Whoa. So there have been lots of models in the past that have estimated, you know, like in 100 years, we'll be at like 12 billion, 14 billion. But this new paper, and of course, these estimates are changing over time. This is taking into a handful of new considerations. Like what? Yeah. Well, basically, so the population of the Earth right now is 7.8 billion. They believe their estimate was that by 2064, it will actually almost hit 10 billion. So we still have like another 2 billion in growth that's predicted to come. But beyond that, they think by... (laughs) 2100 it will shrink to 8.8 billion due to climate change um no the main factors were them just like predicting like like so there's a lot of countries that are having i wouldn't yet call them crises but like obviously like the age demographics are changing so much so like japan as an example has like an aging population canada has an aging population yes but japan is an example they think will go from 128 million to 60 million by 2100 wow so that's like half the population uh china they think may dip under a billion to 730 million by that same time wow um i'm just going to read a quote that they said though that was like an interesting perspective it said for high income countries with below replacement fertility rates the best solutions for sustaining current population levels mm-hmm. economic growth and geopolitical security are open immigration policies mm-hmm. and social policies supportive of families having their desired number of children However, a very real danger exists that in the face of declining population, some countries might consider policies that restrict access to reproductive health services with potentially devastating consequences. I mean, fascinating uh, quotes, fascinating information uh, where science, I think, becomes so important when we're speaking about, you know, sustaining life on this planet. For many reasons, there's climate change. But I really do think that, uh, again, I've talked about this book a lot, but The Next Great Migration, all about immigration, and it is so integral to economies, and it's so integral to societies, and for some reason, there well, it's not some reason, it's racist uh, scientists and racist policies that have created this fear of immigration and of others, when really, it's actually very essential. To ha- like This is a really interesting stat about how important it is to have allow immigration, especially during the climate crisis, when people, there are going to be climate refugees who will need to live somewhere. And that will be a net positive to your society. Because Mm -hmm. for example, in the East coast of Canada, this is like an acute example, an aging population, they need immigrants to come and to take care of this aging population in hospitals, caregivers. They actually, it's, it's one of the reasons why Canada is open to immigration in many ways, because we actually need it without it. We don't have enough people to look after our society. And that's the same case for America. And so it's just sad sometimes when you see science get politicized to like create these policies that are economically bad 
And of course, bad for the for many other reasons. I was going to say we're in a very peculiar age range for this because 50 years is when we are 80 and will potentially need to rely on, you know, services that help elderly people. But this will be the time when the age uh, demographics will be so skewed. There'll be so many more old people than young people. Then we'll the need work, immigration. The work, yeah. Right? Potentially the workforce will not be able to support the aging economy through taxes and stuff because it will be so much smaller so it is like we need to start thinking about these things now because the future of our lives will be greatly impacted if if we don't come up with solutions to that and the society like the fabric of our societies with with or without immigration like we have to rethink right now like the working population is like the largest and helps support the older older populations to have like services but why would you not say that it's with immigration sorry i'm just saying with or without um i I obviously believe that that and even in the study they're saying that it's like a huge factor but even talking about other issues that don't deal with that specifically i just mean like our whole societies will start to change because fertility rates are changing so much, right? So mm-hmm. regardless of bringing people in, that is, I think, a major solution or something that needs to be, like, talked about and figured out. But it is, like, our, our societies are changing. What does that mean for every other aspect of how our society functions? So it's just interesting. The caveat to this is, like, they're, they're calling it the best model to date. These models do always change. And also, like, we're in a pandemic. Like, things can happen. Like, <laughs> people can like, die. People yeah. can, like, the population could change in either <sighs> direction. So it's really hard to say at the end of the day. But Oh, my God. I, I really find that research information fascinating. Thank you for telling us. And now, time to zoom out, okay? Because we, we just <laughs> talked about the population of Earth, which seems huge and seems big. But we're going to get even Frickin' bigger. Time to get to know ya. Hello, Katie Mac. <laughs> Hello. How's How it going? You? Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, I just have to say that we received these books only last night. Your new book, <laughs> The End of Everything, Astrophysically yes. Speaking. Yes. And I genuinely could not put it down. It is so well written about something like physics, which is, you know, hard for a lot of people to grasp. And also, I really want to say that it's like beautifully written. It's hilarious at times. The diagrams are incredible. I literally have a note beside one of them that's just, oh my God, wow. (laughs) It's like... It's taking notes. It's I don't know. It's one of the beginning ones where like time's going this way and it's like showing how you can see into the past through space. Like just... An incredible, incredible book. So first of all, I just want to say congrats. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And now we're going to ask you things like, so how did the universe start? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I want to just say like it, we actually randomly met, I guess it was like seven years ago or something, right? It was so long ago. Yeah. 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 It was in Australia. Yeah. So for people listening or watching, we had gone down to this sort of science event down in Australia and I, 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 we didn't know most of the people that were there. We were just like on a whim, like, okay, we'll go to this like science yeah. thing that's going to go around Australia. And it, yeah, we, I, I was just like, it's so random that since then we've known you, you've been on Twitter. I mean, like we've kept it out. Yeah. But yeah. How's it been? How you been since seven years? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, I've been good. Um, Australia was great. And um, <laughs> I, I've, I moved back to the U.S. a couple of years ago and I'm at NC State University now as an assistant professor and I'm part of their leadership in public science cluster, which is this, this cool initiative to bring in people who do science that somehow to connect it to the public. So either through like citizen science or somehow like 
public engaged science where you talk to people as part of your research um, or science communication, or in my case, I do physics and then I talk about physics. And so that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's my connection to public science. Um, but it's, it's great because it means that I get to do public outreach as part of my official faculty job, which is a very rare thing to be able to do as a researcher. Okay, so let's reach out to the public with some physics. <laughs> I'm literally obsessed with this book. Okay, okay. what made you um, become so interested in like the end of everything? Or as it's put here, eschatology? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah, eschatology is the real word for the study of the end of the world. Oh my gosh, I had, I'd never heard that before. That's, that's so yeah. good. So you're an eschatologist? <laughs> Uh, it's sort of, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> is it the study of the end of the world or the study of the end of the universe or does it well, matter? Well, so it's, it's the study, you might call it the study of the end of creation. So it's a word that derives from a, a kind of, uh, theological concept of, you know, Armageddon basically. Uh, so eschatology is about like how everything's going to end. And, uh, in, you know, in the initial, sort of formulation of that idea, it was about the end of the world because that's what people knew about. Um, but you can you can apply it to the, the cosmos. And there are there are physics papers that use the term eschatology to talk about the end of the universe. Whoa. So when you started studying physics, was that something you had general interest in or is it something like through the years that you kind of found yourself falling into? <laughs> uh, more the latter. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've been studying physics for a long time and I, I've been interested in cosmology in general, which is cosmology is just the, the study of the, the universe as a whole. Um, so how it changes over time, the, um, you know, the beginning and what we can learn about that and like how galaxies form and stuff like that. Um, and uh, it also includes the end, you know, what's going to happen in, in the far future. And that's something that I've been gradually becoming more interested in over time, uh, just because, I don't know, it's a fun thing to think about, like what what will happen in the cosmos in the future what what will it look like how will it all be destroyed in the end you know that that kind of stuff is is fun to um to contemplate <laughs> i literally like get like butterflies in my stomach like talking about this i don't know i just find it so compelling well you also have a really interesting relationship to like death and stuff that i wonder do you, uh, not to like put that out in the world <laughs> okay well we can, get, we can i wanted to like, save it to the I, later okay, but we can get okay, into it no now. we can get to that because okay. i also wanted to quickly point out like for people watching <laughs> yeah. the video form of this katie has like physics equations behind her on a chalkboard which were authentic <laughs> we talked about before the pod will you let us let the audience know what is actually written behind you <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I was just I was just in a meeting with a student via Zoom, and uh, I have a, I have a chalkboard, uh, and the chalkboard came about because I was gonna do a public talk via Zoom, and I needed like visuals, and the, I, I was working with the people at Perimeter Institute, which is where I'm kind of visiting now, uh, and they uh, they suggested a chalkboard rather than trying to put together slides and stuff like that. So that yeah, sounds great. Awesome. So I used it for the public talk, and now it turns out it's also really great for having meetings with students and explaining equations and drawing. Uh, <laughs> turns you know, out it's this great the, explaining medium that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a really useful thing. Yeah, so I, I was I was meeting with a student and talking about uh, dark matter and the annihilation of dark matter and how it can put energy into the universe uh, through this annihilation power i can explain dark matter later if you want but oh this no is, oh, are are, uh, that's the i know that's the equation i know that equation you don't have to tell um, me that uh, yeah, yeah yeah i know that 
it's, these are so these are equations from a paper I wrote in 2014 about um, about how dark matter annihilation uh, can uh, produce radiation in, in the cosmos over time. Uh, okay, so I want to. Okay, we're gonna help our listeners by going a little bit okay. into order because your okay. book does start with um, you know just uh, the beginning of everything. <laughs> um, uh, and so at one point it says the Big Bang didn't happen at a single point, but at every point. Yeah. And also in the beginning, there was singularity. I was wondering if you could just like, clear, like you know what I mean? Like talk about <laughs> sure, that. Sure, sure. What does that mean? Yeah. Okay. So, so when people talk about the Big Bang, um, usually what people mean when they talk about the Big Bang is this idea that everything started at a single point called a singularity. And then that somehow exploded and then created all the space and time and stuff that we see out in the universe. Um, and that's that's an idea that comes from, kind of comes from like you you look at the fact that the, cur- the universe is expanding uh, right now, you know, galaxies are getting farther apart, there's more and more space. Um, and you just take that expansion, you dial it back and you get to this, this idea that the universe was, you know, smaller in the past and more compressed. And then if you if you take that to an extreme, then you get to the idea that the universe was like a single like point, right? Um, and that's uh, and that singularity is is a popular way of talking about like the beginning. We don't now think that necessarily a singularity happened um, because well, for one thing, um, well, it's very hard to study the very very beginning in such a way that you can get to that. But also, we think that there was a time in the very early universe, in the first like tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second, when there was this rapid expansion phase. And that really rapid expansion phase, which we call inflation, would make it very hard to know what happened before it. So we don't know that there was a singularity, but if there was, it didn't have to be like a single point. It could have been a kind of state of infinite density everywhere in a large space. So like the universe could be, you know, infinite in size, but there was maybe there was a time when it was like infinitely dense as well. But what we really know, what we say, what we mean when we say the Big Bang theory, is we we mean that. Um, that the universe was hotter and denser and in some sense smaller in the past. So it is just a matter of taking that current expansion, dialing it back, and you get to a hot, dense state. And uh, if that sounds familiar, the TV show The Big Bang Theory, the start of the theme song of that is actually a really good encapsulation of The Big Bang Theory. So it goes, the whole universe was in a hot, dense state, then nearly 14 billion years ago expansion started, right? So like that's... That is actually what we mean when we say the Big Bang Theory, that the whole universe was hot and dense, and it was everywhere. Everywhere in the universe, it was hot and dense because there was this, you know, it was in this sort of more compact, more um, compressed, you know, hot, dense phase. And then as expansion happened, that cooled the universe. It kind of spread out all this radiation and all this energy and all the matter, and um, that created the conditions for things like you know galaxies to form and stuff like that oh it's so i like to self-identify as someone who's hot but not dense (laughs) so i do relate in some ways i'm so curious like when you talk about or study or communicate physics for me does it bring you to do you have to put yourself in sort of another plane of thinking almost because for for (laughs) us i mean like i i 
kind of measure myself most with like biology because I can like relate so much to it and I feel mm -hmm. like it's here and even when I get down yeah. to like the biochemistry I still feel like oh well it's inside me but sometimes when I you know I'm not very educated in physics and I hear you talking I'm like oh my gosh this is like literally a whole other world that it feels so yeah. detached from what I experience so I'm curious like for you as someone who knows so much about it what does that feel like? Uh, I mean, you know, I've been I've been swimming in this stuff for years, so it's it's it feel it doesn't it doesn't uh, always seem otherworldly to me. But but every once in a while, you know, you know, you have to think about the kinds of the, the kinds of scales of the universe uh, that are utterly inconceivable. Like you you just cannot fit that in your brain. Um, you have to think about uh, like quantum mechanics, and you have to think about like. Um, these weird mathematical relationships between things and um, then when you're thinking about like the early universe it's all about like the subatomic stuff that's going on and and so that's also scales you can't you know imagine and and processes that are happening so fast or in such a weird environment that you can't really conceive of that and so you you kind of get used to doing all these mental tricks around um, around like time scales and and length scales and mathematical relationships between things where you you have to find tricks to visualize stuff um that and, and it's you know you you just kind of create these toy models in your head of how stuff works and and go with that but if you actually stop and think about what you're actually thinking about like what you're actually trying to 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 describe uh it can get a little overwhelming you know i mean you know, I have a I have a bit in the beginning of the book about the first time that I I really thought about how the uh, the process of inflation worked and this this idea that um, you know at the very beginning of the universe there was this rapid expansion of the whole universe and that you know changed the structure of space basically um, and we don't know why that happened <laughs> we don't know for sure that can't happen again right now you know the, just the the idea of being being at the mercy of these huge forces, you know, and, and later in the book, I talk about vacuum decay, which is one of the possibilities for the end of the universe, where there could be a, a kind of bubble of a new kind of space that just forms somewhere in the universe that expands out at the speed of light and destroys everything. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's, we have, we have uh, reasons to believe that processes kind of like that might've happened in the very early universe. And then you're like, you know, we we are nothing in this in this universe. We have no power over this. This you know, we are governed by things we do not understand. And then it's a little bit it's a little bit um, uh, you know, intimidating. Seriously, yeah. That's so that is that. Are you mentioning the part? Uh, you've actually recently we were at an event and you talked to me about this, and I thought about it for days. Are you, <laughs> is this is this the same thing that you were saying where you first sort of learned that at any moment the universe could. Yeah. And that's what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that was explained to you by someone like a professor or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. And what is that? Yeah. What did that do to your like psyche? It, it sounds like it had well, a big it, impact it, on your life. It shook me. Yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I talk about it in the in the intro of the book um, because it was a moment of um, it was it was kind of a scary moment. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, this is uh, this is something that's um, that's uh, a big uh you know, it, I don't know, it, it, like we get used to, you know, the kinds of stuff we deal with every day, we get kind of used to the idea that, that, you know, everything is kind of solid and we know how it all works and we can control our, you know, our lives in some way. 
And um, the idea that that actually, you know, the the reality of the universe is governed by much more abstract stuff that we we don't have any control over. We maybe can't even see, um, and processes that that happen maybe they happen over billions of years, and so you know they don't really affect us now. But if you think on those timescales, you get you you end up with. The idea that like none of this is permanent, <laughs> you know, none of it is anywhere near as solid as we think it is, um, and so we're just these kind of temporary blips. I was gonna say, does that, as a result, sort of inform a personal philosophy or like not spirituality, but obviously yeah. it impacts the way you view life and the meaning of life and like yeah, it- yeah, a little bit. Um, it's yeah, it's hard to it's hard to articulate exactly, but there, I think. Well, I, it took me about two years to write this book, and so I've spent about two years totally, uh, you know, enveloped by thoughts of of the ultimate end of all creation. Right? <laughs> so this is, and this is uh, maybe not the healthiest place to hang out. <laughs> um, uh, so it, you know, you can't you can't spend time there and not think about it. And and um, and in fact, uh, at the at the end of the book, there's a there's an epilogue. Which is just a short section um, of mostly interviews with other physicists and astronomers, uh, where I basically went around and I asked them about I asked them about like what what they think we're gonna find out in the next few years, how we're, how this field is gonna develop. But I also made a point every time to ask, so how do you feel about the end of the universe? Like how does the uni- end of the universe make you feel? Like what's what goes on with you emotionally? And I got lots of different answers. You know, everybody uh, had some different perspective on it. Some people said, uh, like, it makes me really sad. I don't like to think about it. Some people said that uh, they they don't think that that can be the end of the universe, that, like, you know, these ideas that we have about what's going to happen, like, surely we'll have something better will come along. Um, and uh, some people were like, oh, I think it's great. I think it's awesome that we're just temporary. Like, that's how it should be. Um, so, you know, a whole range of, of reactions to this. And, and my own reaction to it, I, I think I'm still kind of figuring that out. I think it's... I, you know, I've never been somebody who's been comfortable with the idea of death. Uh, that that scares me, and like I don't like it. And um, I have not come to terms with the idea that I'm going to die someday, um, and the idea that the universe is going to die someday. I don't know what to do with that, especially if you think about it in terms of like, what does this mean for your legacy? Uh, what does it mean for the legacy of humanity if we all? If 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 at some point it's not going to matter that we existed because the whole universe is going to end, like what do you do with that? And yeah. and I think that I think that in the process of writing this, I've definitely had to find ways to uh, kind of reconceptualize existence so that it has some intrinsic meaning that doesn't depend on how it ends. Um, you know, that doesn't depend on some like externally constructed right. like oh this is it was all for good you know like <laughs> you don't you know so you don't i don't have to rely on that because i you know it doesn't seem like there is gonna be you know a, a you know everybody at the end everybody kind of comes together and says well this was nice you know this is <laughs> you know like that's not that's not gonna we're not gonna get that <laughs> so i might as well uh try and find some way to be like well this is what we have and we have to enjoy it we have to you know make the most of it while we're here 
I'm going to read something that from uh, your book so um, that okay. you wrote. Uh, okay. <laughs> because right. I thought it was... Okay, I think it's a good example of how I really think that you're a beautiful writer. And I also think that um, you're really funny. And I know I keep saying this, but I, I personally, Mitch has said, like, I have a lot of death anxiety. I read mm. a lot of physics books similar to books like yours because I have a hard understanding of it. But I do kind of find it spiritual. And I find mm. it... Um, I mean, I just find it to be the most fascinating thing uh, in the world, <laughs> fair enough. Like, I mean, okay. like, you talk on those scales, like on this earth, the most fascinating information. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna read this because to me, I, f- I kind of found it like comforting. So it's okay. like, there's something about taking the opportunity to wade into the cosmic perspective that is both terrifying and hopeful, like holding a newborn infant and feeling the delicate balance of the tenuousness of life and the potential for not yet imagined greatness. I think that's like that's beautiful really nice. and I think it's kind of Thank you. like spiritual. I'm like, I'm like literally tearing up. Like, <laughs> um, but I really think that that is like, yeah. So I have a lot of death anxiety and I find, I also was thinking of it like, cause I also like later last night had a bit of an edible, kept reading the book <laughs> and I realized like I have a relationship with uh, this type of like science and physics similar to like, I kind of do with weed, which is this like, delicate dance of like anxiety and excitement it's like Mm. i can't think of anything more exciting than talking about these things but it always comes with this like meeting of anxiety and it's just like a thrill like and i think one thing about your book that i really enjoy is the humor because sometimes it can be so hard to take in this information and a lot of other physics books they don't give you any like breath of fresh air and sometimes you shut the book and you like stare at the wall and you're like well what is the (laughs) like why am I even trying to be a good person or something like that where I think that there is enough in here and I think even sentences like that make you realize like no there is obviously like I mean there's not obviously a purpose to life but (laughs) it's important to like take this information is really nice yeah and another positive thing that I want you to maybe speak on a bit is that like truly like yeah like things are we're going through a global pandemic you know america Mm -hmm. has like uh, one of the worst presidents in history there's a lot of bad things going on but it sort of is like the best time to be alive for physics and Mm. i thought that was an interesting perspective just being like i think a lot of people are looking for some place to find hope and it's like well actually you're on the cutting edge of like this type of knowledge yeah yeah there's a there's a huge amount going on in, in physics right now and it's um it's it's really it's a really exciting time because we have we have these these big mysteries right and and we we don't know what you know we don't understand a huge fraction of what the universe is made of we don't understand uh you know how to fit together things like quantum mechanics and the the theory of gravity general relativity um we we don't understand particle physics uh at, in a certain way and and so there are these big mysteries, but um, but we know that there are answers out there, and we're we're hopefully really close to getting them. So so for for each of these mysteries, there, we have some clue that there's a direction we can go where we can figure it out, and we have some amazing telescopes coming up. We have amazing experiments happening, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we're gonna we're gonna get somewhere with that. Okay, I have a question that I yeah always like to ask physicists so this this concept of like quantum mechanics not working with the theory of relativity and gravity right that's yeah. that what is like what exactly does that mean it's like the math right. doesn't add up but the experiments do uh yeah so what it means is that um there's there's no way to there's no way to uh 
put together what happens in in relativity and in, in general relativity, the theory of, of gravity, and what happens on part a particle level in particle in quantum mechanics, particle physics, and have them be consistent in uh, in in situations where both of them should be important. So usually they're not both important. Usually if you're dealing with general relativity, that's the that's the physics that governs very very massive things like black holes and you know planets and and the shape of space time on large scales. And on those in those kinds of situations, it doesn't matter what's going on with particle physics cuz like the particles are at such a different scale that you you can ignore them completely. Um, and when you're dealing with particle physics, uh, like you know, uh, particle experiments or or electron or you know, figuring out what electrons do when they scatter off of of molecules or whatever, like gravity is totally unimportant because these things are so light that they're they're doing nothing at all interesting to space. You know, they're they're just there, and they're you can you can ignore gravity totally. Um, but but there are situations where you have to figure out how to bring the two together. So when you think about um, what's going on at the edge of a black hole, for example, we think that there are quantum processes that happen at the edge of a black hole that allow radiation to come off the edge of the black hole called Hawking radiation. And that changes, that, that allows black holes to uh, like evaporate over time. Um, and there's there, there's no good way to bring together the particle physics and the and the general relativity in that context that that is perfectly consistent so for example if you um well as the black hole is evaporating it should be producing a kind of radiation that's determined really just by the kind of shape of the space time it's in the the what's going on in the, in the space around it but um, but that means that you could throw a whole bunch of stuff into a black hole and then wait for it to evaporate, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be you wouldn't know what you threw in because the radiation is just determined by the mass, and hmm. the mass it doesn't contain the information of what what you threw into it, just the amount of stuff, and and quantum mechanics tells you you can't destroy information like there's there's a huh. there are rules about that, and so there's this thing called the black hole information paradox that says that it's, it's inconsistent to have uh, something governed by relativity that, that only cares about this mass thing, and then, and then you have quantum mechanics comes in and says, oh, but you can't destroy this information, and those just are, are they just don't agree with each other. And then when is you the, talk about, yeah. Is the, is the theory of everything the concept of bringing those together? Um, sort of, yeah, yeah. So theories of everything are theories that try to bring together particle physics and, and gravity in some way to make them to make them agree, you know. So and and those are and those are important also not just around black holes, but like if you're thinking about the very beginning of the universe, um, you had this very very dense universe, and in this very dense state, then you know probably that at that stage, gravity and quantum mechanics were both important because it was so high, such high density. That mm. that should sort of engage both of those things. It's very small and very dense and very massive, and so like both of those concepts should come together. And we don't know how to how to make them agree. Like it, you know, relativity, general relativity says that gravity comes about because of the shape of space. Quantum mechanics says that everything is particles and fields. And you, we don't have a way of talking about gravity that involves particles and fields right now. Be, oh, that's so, so that's, uh, cool. And, <laughs> go, 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 go. I, I'm just like, so 
what is even the first step like of trying to solve that? Is it like a math problem? Is I picture like Goodwill hunting. <laughs> just I like, picture like <laughs> the chalkboard, the chalkboard right and they're like doing <laughs> exactly. circles, and they're like, yeah, well, oh no, no, I know. When well, we put G in, it doesn't work. I mean, this might be an well, unfair question. Yeah, it's like, no. you know, is it is it that just no one really knows the right way, or is it a question of these? ways that we express them through the mathematical language or physics language is just not compatible but there is a way we just haven't figured it out yet i don't know well so string theory is an attempt to fix that right so string theory is an attempt at a, a theory of everything and that's based on a different kind of formulation of the mathematics um that uh, can produce uh, can produce you know gravity and particle physics working in a way that that would be you know would make sense mathematically in order to get string theory to work, you need to postulate that there are more dimensions of space than what we can experience. So it's real complicated in that sense. But also another problem with string theory is that um, it's it's very hard to test it, right? So, so one of the problems with theories in, of everything in general is that all of the experiments that we do, all of the, the tests that we can do experimentally uh, or even you know observations we can do in, in space, they agree with either quantum mechanics or gravity, and and they don't present um, they don't present a clear contradiction. It's only in the theoretical spaces, like like the, the idea of of black hole evaporation or the ideal uh, the idea of what goes on in the very first moments of the universe that we can't actually observe. That's where the contradictions lie. So we know there has to be some solution because there are places that we know happen excuse me, things that we know happen in the universe or, or did happen in the universe where both of these things have to be important. But experimentally, we can't, we can't test these things because we can't get to those extreme environments uh, where, the, where both of these concepts are important. Hmm. So the problem is that you can, you can put together a mathematically consistent theory like string theory, but we can't test it with the kind of technology we have. We can't make the kind of uh, you know, high energy collisions we would need to make in particle colliders or, you know, hang out next to a black hole and watch it evaporate. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot of stuff that we just can't do. Uh, so the problem is, the problem is that, you know, the, the real problem is that we are, our experiments all work perfectly well with in the, in the context of these two, um, these two paradigms that can't agree with each other. So wow. every experiment we've done to test gravity, straight up general relativity, everything works exactly like Einstein said it would. Mm. Um, every experiment we do with particle physics, you get the standard model of particle physics, which is our, you know, the, the sort of sum total of our current understanding of particle physics. Everything works. There, there are a few places every once in a while where an experiment will come up with an anomaly. Generally speaking, the anomaly goes away. Um, or you can do some very tiny tweak to the uh, experiment to to uh, or to the theory to to wrap that up, but you don't have some like big you know flashing result like here this doesn't work this is where we need to you know mm -hmm. patch it all together, and we need that we need something to not work. <laughs> You're like <laughs> hoping one know. day something yeah, that'll yeah, show what's wrong, right? Right, exactly. Because then because then if you do the experiment and you know for example. If you do an experiment, you find that the way gravity works around a black hole is a little different than Einstein's theory, then that would be like, oh, okay, we need to find a theory that that predicts that. Right. Um, and, or, you know, I mean, 
prediction, post-diction, whatever, you know, but we need to find a theory that would explain that. And so far, we don't have any that to hang on to. We don't have to any... To, like, help modify yeah. those theories yeah. in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So is, not to, like, keep hitting this, but I just, like, want to know, like, is the presumption then that, that there is a flaw in those theories in the first place and we've just yet to understand what that flaw is because we have no, like, actual data to say it's ever been wrong? <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a flaw in the theories. Like every theory is a, um, you know, a progressively better approximation to what the universe is actually doing. Okay. But what, what we think is that there's, there's a limit to the validity of every theory we have. And we just, we haven't been able to test the edge of that limit yet mm. for, for relativity or the standard model. And, you know, in the past, we've had theories where we could get to the edge of that, right? So we started with Newtonian mechanics, just the, the physics of, you know, a ball rolling down a hill, everything works perfectly until you have to deal with extreme gravity, like around, like in, you know, Mercury orbiting the sun is so close to the sun that the extreme gravity changes the way that Mercury orbits. Or if you look at um, the positions of stars during a total solar eclipse, uh, you can see that the the positions, the apparent positions are bent by the, the movement of, of, you know, light through the curved space around the the sun mm-hmm. stuff like that or if you go really really fast that changes you know that changes how things move because you get into special relativity territory stuff like that like so extreme velocities extreme gravity that doesn't work with newtonian physics and that's why uh, that's why einstein's general relativity came up right. um so it's not that Newtonian physics is wrong. Like if you calculate, you know, how long it takes a ball to drop from your hand to the floor, like you don't need relativity to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know. And that's a really so, interesting perspective just on, on everything in general in science. It's like, yeah, it's not that one is necessarily wrong. If, if we're able to use it, everything's just an approximation, I guess, at the end yeah. of the day and in certain. And like almost like zooming out, you get to the extremes of the universe that maybe don't apply because our world isn't that extreme in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. So so we, you know, just like just like nobody figured out relativity when you couldn't do experiments other than rolling doll- dolls downhill. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was fine. But then once you could actually measure things more carefully and see that, oh, Mercury's orbit is a little bit strange, that kind of stuff, then you need that that new theory of gravity. And um and that's why that's why it was possible to to do Einstein's relativity and, and get that um get that new advance but if we'd never had any data that disagreed with newton's theories we wouldn't have got there and so that's where we are right now with relativity we have we don't have any data that disagrees with it yet so we don't know where to go yet that was such a good example you're such a good science communicator like using newtonian (laughs) physics is a great way to be like oh yeah i get that it still helps describe it properly it's not that it's wrong it's just at a different scale or level it now doesn't work so and I also didn't know until reading your book that string theory is like a blanket term you say for theories that try to bring together what we're talking about, like gravity and particle physics, but don't, I thought it was maybe like one specific theory, like when I've read about it, but it's like any theory that relies on those sort of extra dimensions or that well, don't. Pre- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Tain to the real world or what? Well, it's a it's a set of theories that um, so string theories are a set of theories that have in common a, a kind of uh, a, a way of describing particles and fields and things in terms of strings in some higher dimensional space. There there are other theories of everything. Loop quantum gravity is a different different c- category of theories of everything. But um, but string theory is not just one theory. It is, uh, there are lots of different kinds of string theory because, you know, there are just lots of ideas about it and we don't have a way of ruling out that many of them because we but just they, don't have the data. They all involve dimen- more dimensions than what we actually yeah. experience in reality. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. always, I love that little thing. I always carry that to like a friends on the that beach when we're having out. some beer. I'm like, did you know? Like, like, cause people always, people, string theory has like made its way into the public consciousness. Yeah. At least yeah. And I, what I have noticed is that a lot of people think it's a thing, mm-hmm. a theory. And I've always, I've always, I've sort of understood that like, it's a way of bringing these two ideas together with math that rely on more dimensions. But mm-hmm. I thought it was really clear to be like, it's not just one theory. Right. It's a variety yeah. of theories. And it's linked to this concept you're talking about, which is that, yeah. you know, there are these two ways, like large gravity theory of relativity versus particle physics. Yeah. I think that is just so for something like it's just so fascinating to think about, even as people who don't have physics backgrounds. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's talked about a lot in your world. And I just think it is such a fascinating like. Concept. Okay, wait. Yeah. So, like, okay. are there other dimensions? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, we don't. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Um, it's uh, so okay. So that so is first, the other dimension is, is primarily like a theoretical thing as well to help understand how something might be versus being like, yeah. Oh, there are other. Okay, I'm gonna let you just right, describe yeah. what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so so. Okay, so we experience we experience three dimensions in our everyday life, right? Up, down, left, right, front, back. Um, and then there's time, which if you're a physicist, time is a, is a dimension as well, because space and time interact with each other in weird ways through relativity. And so how you're moving through space affects how you're moving through time. And so you just say, okay, it's another dimension. You have a much bigger grid now, um, and you can't visualize the fourth dimension of that grid, but anyway, it all fits together. Um, and the idea of extra dimensions is that there's more space dimensions than the three that we experience. And so if you were able to find a direction that was at right angles to all of the directions that we can normally experience, then that would be like our, our additional spatial dimension. And there could be many additional spatial dimensions. Hmm. Um, so does that, but, because I feel like the word dimension in like popular culture somehow yeah. became known as like another world almost yeah, or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. like another that there's like this other another realm. Realm, yeah. 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 And in physics, dimension does not mean a realm. It just <laughs> means a, it just means a direction, basically. It just means right, like okay. an ex a a, a, a a direction you can have an extent in. Um and and so there there are good reasons to to idea to imagine that there could be more dimensions of space. But um, but we also have experiments that we can do that that can 
kind of restrict the sizes of those dimensions or the shape in, in the sense that if there, let's say there were another, another dimension of space that were like infinite in every, you know, just infinite in some direction where, you know, we have, we have three spatial dimensions right now and they're kind of infinite extent. You could keep going forever in that direction if you wanted to. Um, but let's say there's another direction that we don't know about yet, but you could keep going forever in that direction too. Um, you can put some constraints on, on the size of that extra dimension, the existence of that extra dimension by the fact that gravity should be able to, to go through all the dimensions. So hmm. gravity is not limited to our three spatial dimensions. We might be, but gravity could go out to another dimension if, if that other dimension existed. And so when we test, uh, we can test um, the, the strength of gravity uh, on different scales. Like we can, we can uh, see, you know, if you move a little bit farther away from an object, how much less you feel the gravity of that object. And so you can, you can test um, how well gravity works on different scales based on our understanding of gravity and put some constraint on how, how much of the gravity could be leaking into that other dimension if that mm. other dimension exists. And so... What? <laughs> Are you ever not the smartest person in the room? <laughs> like, I'm rarely the smartest person in the room. Although, uh, during, although during quarantine, I am because I am, there's nobody else here. She's <laughs> hanging out at the me. Perimeter Institute, so they're all, you know, really like... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. the Perimeter Institute is, is wild. There are a lot of really, really talented do you, people there. Do you feel, though, like when... So obviously you're like an expert in your field and I feel like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Do you get that feeling when you talk to people in other fields or are you just, you know oh, yeah. what I mean? Like, okay. no, no. I mean, I mean, it's always like, you know, I, everybody, I always find it fascinating to, to hear what other people know that I don't know. Right. And, right. and, uh, and I think okay, I mean, smart, so is a, smart is a weird, <laughs> smart is a weird concept anyway. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Know. I have a direct question about this yeah. because I also, again, all my understanding of physics is literally through probably all these books by people you literally know okay. and can have actual <laughs> conversations with mine's all based on analogies being told to me through from really smart okay. people dumbing it down. But I really think there's something fascinating about art in relation to physics because I think mm in many ways it's not able to be described like okay so there's that concept of like laplace's demon or something which is like the big i've heard it as like it's sort of if you had something that was smart enough or had enough information it could predict like where every you know particle mm. would be in the future or whatever i don't know if this is necessarily true but like the idea that like if you a had a deterministic universe yeah like if you had a smart enough mm. computer maybe it would be able to know how let's just think of the earth how everything on earth was going to move into the next like second or whatever. I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, but sure. I like that could maybe define like, Oh, I would, would know about art, quote unquote art. But there's something to me about like, you know, like I do stand up comedy and like the analogy I sometimes use is like, how come something could be funny in a, like a bunch of people could find something funny on one day. And then the next day, like not find it funny. Like there's just mm -hmm. weird things that sometimes I'm like, is it, do you think there is an obsession with art? Do you like art because sometimes it's harder to explain? Because, or am I just putting words that, in your mouth? Because it has the unpredictable element. Yeah. Or it's just like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I personally Surprising. have been trying to figure out why I like science so much and why I like art so much and where they intersect. And I sometimes find when yeah. I'm like learning about physics, I'm like, it's actually not explaining this other thing that we're all so obsessed with. Uh, but maybe yeah. it's just psychology, maybe it's just neurons, but I'm just curious like what you think about or if you have a respect for art in like, a, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I do have a respect for art. I think, so I was, I was reading about, um, 
I was reading about something the other day about like what what makes us uh, feel joy, like what what's delightful, right? And um, I think maybe I was living listening to a podcast. I don't know. Um, but uh, but one of the one of the things they talked about is like we we like the feeling of being surprised with new new knowledge, um, and that's like that's just that's a, a pleasurable thing, right? And and I think that 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 is something that you get in both art and and physics is, is or, or any kind of science is that you get you get that moment of being surprised by new knowledge like you, mm. you learn something and you have this moment of like oh i understand that that's really cool you know or you have some new perspective on something and that's just that's a that's a good feeling that that's something that makes you that makes you just fundamentally happy and with art you have you get a similar thing right like you you see a, a, a painting that, that depicts something in a way that you never thought about before. You see a new detail in something that you that you hadn't noticed, or um, or even you know music. You 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 uh, you hear a progression of notes that 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 tweaks something in you, and you have an unexpected feeling in response to it, or or whatever. Like you get that moment of surprise and new a new way of thinking about something. Kind of maybe not knowledge exactly, but but a new. Um, a new thought, a new perspective, and so I think that that both of those things can be very pleasurable in the same in the same way, and yeah. uh, and we can approach them in the same way. That, that That's makes... a really cool way to talk about art too, yeah. because a lot of people have a hard time defining. You know, everyone says it's subjective, or why mm. is it maybe more enjoyable? Why would a song be enjoyable to mass amounts of people versus less? But it's like that's really interesting to think about because I wonder if things that are um, more exciting to more people are actually able to teach people, you know, have that moment with more people based on specific mm. things. Like there's just a very cool way of describing it again from someone who's science minded and like, well, it makes me wonder a little bit if like that, yeah, if there is just some fundamental desire in humans to have that experience, that yeah, joy or yeah. that glee. And then oh, that is, is what drives people to do both of those art and physics or, or any yeah. kind of science, right? That it's yeah. like, we are actually just searching for like those moments in our life. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, you know, and, and every, every physicist I've ever talked to when they, when they're asked to describe like what they like about physics, it's, it's always, it's always the moment of discovery thing. It's always like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that moment of like, I understand this thing. And sometimes it can be like, I'm the first person to understand this thing. And right. that could be really wow. cool. That's yeah. rare. That's really rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but even I understand this for the first time, or I understand this thing that I, I didn't understand before. And now I'm able to do that. Like that's, that's the, the thing that's, that's so cool and exciting and, and, and just fulfilling about, about doing a bit doing that physics. So cool. and, and I feel cool. like that applies to so many spaces. Like I was thinking the other day, like, I, so I've had like a lot of back problems in my life. And so I like go to some like physio trainers and stuff. And I, mm -hmm. over the last year and a half have been like working out for like the first time in my life. Like I'm so weak or whatever. But, um, through that time, like I slowly, you start to realize like there's like muscles and things that you've never really had control over. Mm -hmm. Even though people go like, okay, engage this muscle. Like you kind of pretend until one day you're like, oh my God, I, <laughs> I understand what you mean now. Like yeah, I can yeah. feel that it's like it kind of opens up these levels when you're with something long enough that you mm. have that moment of, I don't know. I just feel like what you're saying. Yeah. That's so my applicable. bro boyfriend knows how to <laughs> yeah. pump iron. Yeah. That's the, that's the physics of pumping iron, bro. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you want to have any of these, if you want to have, if you're searching for that experience, read your book because that's exactly <laughs> the thing that I've been experiencing while reading it. It's just like, awesome. Oh my God. Brilliant way of describing that. Brilliant way of describing that. Like, <laughs> 
Oh my God, I've never thought of it like that. Oh my God, I've never thought of it like that. And so like, yeah, like I think that if that is as you just did a really good sort of case study and almost advertising <laughs> slogan for why you should read your book. Well, I mean, Thank talking you. about the book, can we talk about a little more of yeah. like the the ways that the universe may end? Like sure, perhaps sure, sure. if you have like a favorite, we don't need to like spoil the whole book. Yeah, no, let's, let's stick to like which one. I think I even asked you this again at uh, this this party we were at recently. So funny. I'm like well, so recently being like not recently, but <laughs> no, we hung out with. So oh, I'm just saying, like, oh, I'm just people know like we're yeah. not hanging out during. Oh, COVID. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic. It was January. Yeah, yeah, yeah January, January, I just January, want people yeah. to know that we're I mean, not hanging it, out. The pan- like the pandemic, you know, it was coming, but we'll admit yeah. some ignorance. We were still having fun, and we didn't really think. Yeah. We didn't predict. Anyways, I feel bad because I'm like, I wonder if I'm like, did people do this to you at all? parties but i was like so how do you think the world's gonna end? i literally asked you this like of all of your theories yeah. is there one that you just go to bed at night ah this is the one i think um so there's 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 the one i think is most likely and that's the one i think is most fun so okay, Ooh, can we okay. hear both? if you're willing <laughs> yeah. both if not you can read Absolutely. one you can leave one as the no, no, no. pick up the book um so the one the one i think is most likely is the one that's like the least fun by any um <laughs> but or the i don't know the, it's it's less it's 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 not the most painful but it is the the least kind of exciting in some sense right. so um uh, i think i know what you're some of them say. are painful uh, so, <laughs> um but uh so the heat death is the one that's yeah. that's considered to be the most likely end of the universe and the way the way the heat death works is um people sometimes call it the big freeze as well but it's it's the heat death is like the more technical term for it and i'll explain why um but what happens is the universe is currently expanding and the universe is accelerating in its expansion. So galaxies are getting farther apart from each other. There's more and more empty space all the time. And what that means is that over a long enough period of time, everything is is speeding up and moving away so fast just from the expansion of space. Nothing's really moving, but like the space is, is getting bigger um, that eventually we will not be able to see distant galaxies anymore. Like our, we have a little group of galaxies called the local group and that'll, that'll be, you know, we'll, we'll all hang out. We'll kind of come together at some point as, as one big blob, but we won't be able to see galaxies beyond our local group. The, the, the rest of the universe will be dark. And then over time, uh, because there are not galaxies coming together anymore to, you know, crash gas together and make new stars and all that, there's, there's going to be less star formation, The, the gas in our universe will be, or in our galaxy will be used up so that we'll, we won't be able to make new stars here. The stars we have will burn out. Uh, so the, you know, the, all the, our galaxy will get dimmer and dimmer. And then like there'll be black holes and the black holes will evaporate. And so those will kind of fade away. And then, uh, <laughs> then matter decays. And then eventually you have this universe that's basically just cold, dark, and empty forever. <laughs> And that's the heat death. And it's called, Why the, is it heat called death. the heat death. It's called the heat death because uh, heat is a term for disordered energy in physics. And basically what happens is the universe uh, just becomes like all that's left in the universe is a tiny amount of, of like waste heat from all the processes of, of you know, the world, it's- the universe. Is that the most likely one because of like entropy and that we see that entropy is kind of always increasing? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Just, yeah. So, so it's it the feels... second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. So this is this is this idea that entropy, yeah, entropy or disorder is increasing all the time. And so 
everything decays basically and and you lose you know every you kind of lose energy to to waste heat and um just in the same way that you know a machine will lose energy to friction all the processes in the universe lose a little bit of energy uh through through waste heat and it gets distributed through the universe and so at the end uh you've reached the the maximum entropy state where the universe is just this disordered energy this waste heat from everything and once that happens like nothing else can happen because you've you've reached you've reached maximum entropy. The second law of thermodynamics says that entropy only increases. So once you're at the maximum, entropy can't increase anymore. You can't build anything or like nothing more can happen because you would have to, you know, you you would have to increase entropy to do anything really. I mean, there can be little blips of, you know, like sort of random fluctuations of things seeming to happen and then decaying again, but but that the universe is done at that point. I don't. I don't know. I I find that one a little bit painful. Um, I can't <laughs> Not even like physically, but like, like emotionally imagine painful. why oh, yeah. there's other ones that are more painful. Yeah. Wait. No. So this that one's that one's not painful in the sense that like I mean freezing to death is not particularly painful. Like you just like it's <laughs> right. just everything it's just like kind of slow... decays. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah, slow. Yeah, it's slow. Yeah. Whereas you can have things like the big crunch where the universe compresses and 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 you know it's crashes like... everything together and then everything goes gets on fire. Right. That's that's painful. <laughs> Okay, wait. So, what's the most fun one for you? Okay. Um, <laughs> she takes. Sip she she wait, sips wait, and wait. takes a sip of water. I, I have a question yeah. before. Yeah, she's like, okay, yeah. like, I have a question related to that. Okay, so the, in that universe of the heat mm-hmm. death, it's just like yeah. very expanse and cold, and not much is happening, and wavelengths flatline, kind of. Basically, yeah. I mean, the all the the radiation gets stretched out. Um, like energy. I mean, there's is... still. Yeah, there's a, there's still a little bit of. Um, there's still like a little bit of uh, background energy, there's but a little it's buzz. very low. Yeah, <laughs> a low yeah, buzz. there's a yeah. But, okay, my question is, and maybe this is like, hopefully this is not a stupid question, but there's no such thing as stupid questions that no. you can ask it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so like at the beginning of the universe. I just have this hard time understanding, like, you know, what was before that. Is it anything related to what it would be like when we have a full heat death and there's nothing? Or, like, it's so hard to conceptualize, like, mm. what is there if there's nothing? Maybe it hits the ends, then it starts shrinking again? Well, so know. so this is... So you need you need uh, the, the bounce chapter, because that's the, that's the chapter that discusses universes that, like, restart. Okay. okay. Um, so there are there are ideas uh, where you could have a new beginning after a heat death. Uh, there are there are some theories where at, at, I like that one. during <laughs> during a heat death you can have a quantum fluctuation kind of thing that would produce a new universe uh, in in the in this you know sort of empty state. Um, there's there are some ideas where you have a kind of a, a big crunch and then a big bang and you have a cycle over and over again. Um, and I go through a few of those ideas in the book. Uh, so there are there are some some ideas out there in our kind of standard cosmology, the one that that starts with this inflationary phase at the beginning and and the heat death at the end. Um, we we don't know what would have happened before inflation, and there are, there are ideas where you can have that that inflationary phase in some larger universe where there's there's that's kind of going on forever mm. into the past. And then a universe will kind of drop out of the inflationary phase and be a normal universe and then, you know, die in a heat death, but somewhere else in the universe, another, another universe just kind of pops out of oh. that. So there, there are lots of different ideas for before what we think of as the beginning. Right. Um, oh my God. It's like turning me on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. So it's like, 
It's like there's a there. Okay, so technically, according to those theories, it's like there could be another universe mm-hmm. that we're within. Our that's universe, sort of like, doing its own thing, whether it's its own heat death, and then ours just like you know a little extension off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like oh wait. Okay. Okay, actually, I can live with that. Well, it also helps because I feel like I have a really hard time understanding, and sometimes it's been pitched to me that you know before the Big Bang there's nothing, but then it's like how did. I mean, I guess that's the essence on, yeah. of like the question of how did like anything come to exist? Yeah, it's actually yeah. the biggest question of life and our time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on and what you uh, on what you think the beginning was. Like, if if you think of a singularity um, beginning, then you know people often say, well, a singularity it contains all of space and time, so there was no time before the singularity. So so time doesn't have a meaning. You know, before doesn't mean anything. And and there are there are models of cosmology where you kind of have a singularity popping up out of nothing um but because we don't know if the singularity even happened you have this inflation phase where we think we think that probably happened although we don't know and there's other there's models that don't have that um then you know before that there could be all sorts of different things that could have happened and and we don't we don't really it's it's really quite hard to to come up with to like to like figure out what did happen before right. that inflationary phase, and that inflationary phase was very early on. So that ended at like ten to the power of minus thirty five seconds, something like that. I mean, it was like it was real quick, whatever it was. Um, that was very very early, but uh, but we don't know, you know, if there could have been other processes happening before that. If we could have come out of a of another universe, if if um, you know, if there was something totally different, like we we just don't know right now. But but oh some of these gosh. cyclic models where you have um, you know cycles from from Big Bang to heat death or Big Bang to Big Crunch and over and over again, those kinds of things, you know, those are sort of built to give an idea of what might have happened before. Wow, you did you actually just asked Katie one of the like biggest hardest questions <laughs> of our time, and she <laughs> and she answered it <laughs> without like pausing. I, I answered, to study I answered by telling you that we don't know. I mean, that, yeah, like, yeah. But you're like, but we do know up till zero point zero 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 three four seconds. Um. Okay. The fun one. The fun one. Okay. The fun one. Okay. So the fun one is vacuum decay, which I which I alluded to earlier, and this is this is one that's it's been getting a lot of attention since the since. 2012, because that's when the Higgs boson was was discovered at the Large Hadron Collider. Oh my so, god! I thought you were gonna be like, that's when the Mayan calendar ended. <laughs> and I was gonna be like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, so so there was so the Higgs boson is kind of the final piece of the standard model of particle physics that I mentioned before. This kind of this uh, theory of how particles and fields and everything interact, and the Higgs boson is a particle associated with the Higgs field. Okay, the Higgs field is this energy field that just pervades all of space, and it's called a scalar field, which means that it just has one value everywhere. So it's uh, it's not like a, it's not like an electric field where it's got like a direction. It's a scalar field, so it means it's just just a field of energy and it's got some energy value at every point in space. Um so this the, so if if the Higgs field exists, which we think it does because we've seen this Higgs boson, which is a, a particle associated with that field, um, then uh, then the value that that field has so is kind of connected with how physics works, how particle physics works in our universe. So if if that field had a different value and it did have a different value at the very early universe, 
then particle physics would work differently. You'd have a different set of particles, they'd interact in different ways, um, and so you'd have a, a kind of different constants of nature and all of that. Just physics would be a different setup. And so the, the, the sort of value of the Higgs field tells you that you're in a certain kind of vacuum state. Now, vacuum state means the, the state of physics in the universe, like how physics works in your universe. Um, so we know that we had a different vacuum state in the very early universe, and then there was an event called electroweak symmetry breaking, which I talk about in the book, and it, I, I worked real hard to make that not complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, then there's, and then now we have our current vacuum state. So the problem is that it's possible that the Higgs field could change again, and if it did, <laughs> then we'd be in a different kind of vacuum state where our current physics of, you know, particles that work together and become molecules and all that wouldn't be able to happen anymore. You would have different, you'd have different laws of nature, different like particle physics, and all structure would be destroyed, right? So you don't want to be in a different vacuum state that we're in. We like being in the one we're in. Yeah, please, don't stay here. Yeah, unfortunately, when we discovered the Higgs boson, that told us something about the Higgs field. And what it told us was, based on our current understanding, the current vacuum state we're in is not the most stable possible vacuum state. Oh, it means no. it, 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 it turns out that our vacuum state might be what's called metastable, which means it's it's stable for now, like oh we're cool for God. the moment. <laughs> but it could at some point change, and the way that would work is somewhere in the universe something would happen, and the Higgs field at that point would change to this to this other vacuum state, the so-called true vacuum. And it's true no i don't want i want ours to be true <laughs> i know right no it's bad if we're not we're in a false vacuum that's what that's what we're, we're seeing oh so that's a harsh it, word i know it is it's terrible so so you'd get this 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 true vacuum state started at this one point in the universe and that would create a bubble of the true vacuum and that bubble of true vacuum would expand through the universe at about the speed of light and first, first it would destroy everything in its path because there's it's got like this bubble wall that has some energy associated with it and of then course. once then once once you're inside the bubble because the bubble wall passed over you then your particles don't hold together anymore cuz particle physics is now wrong right like you now have a different Oh my god physics. the 2020 memes if it happens this year <laughs> we won't even be able to meme about it No cuz you won't see it coming right because just, the, the yeah. cuz it comes at, it happens the at the light. speed of light speed of light. and if something's coming at the, the speed of light you can't see it coming and then, oh I mean, my you, but you don't, but you also don't feel it because your nerve impulses like don't f travel that fast. Yeah, like, so I'm you kind of don't notice it. And then, but it's and then, so... it, yeah. Oh no, no, go, go. If, and then yeah, what? And I'm like, please, please. And yeah. with like, and then you come back to life and you live and you're happy. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it seems that, so if there is this true vacuum possibility, then it's at a higher value of the Higgs field, which means that it's a kind of space that's like gravitationally unstable, which means that after, after you get incinerated by the bubble wall and then your <laughs> molecules get torn apart by being inside this wrong physics space, then the whole space collapses gravitationally into like a black hole. So it's a very complete wow. like destruction wow. of the End. cosmos if it happens. Right. And so discovering the Higgs boson because we learned a little bit about the Higgs field at the time, that suggested that we're in a false vacuum, that a true vacuum is possible. Um, and so now people talk about this, but then you might be asking, okay, what could make this event happen? Like what, what could make this what happen? Triggers like, it? Yeah. yeah, what triggers it? And so there are two answers to that. One of them is, one of them is just like a, a high enough energy event basically 
could trip the trip the Higgs field into this this other state. No. Um, but but fortunately, it's impossible to reach those energies. Oh. Um, so you can't actually do that. Like even I mean, certainly certainly particle colliders can't do it. Nothing in space. None of these processes in space, which are much higher energy than particle colliders, no, nothing seems to be capable of doing that. Um, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of caveat to that when it comes to small black holes that probably don't exist. So that's that's, that's a oh, detail. the small black holes that barely don't exist. Pff, move yeah, yeah. on. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to mention that because I wrote a paper about it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway uh, so so you know, basically, it's like. Um, it's like if uh, it's like if you had a so one of the, one of the ways people often uh, describe it is like you have uh, there's like a, a big valley and there's a little divot in the side of the valley and you're like a pebble sitting in that little divot in the side of the valley and so you're okay if there was enough if like if like somebody mm. came along and bumped you they could bump you out of that divot and you could roll down to the bottom of the valley and then that's bad mm. right but as long as you're in that little divot you're okay. Um, and it seems like there's nothing that's powerful enough to to knock you out of that divot. Like the the little the wall of the divot is too high. Um, but then the problem is that we live in a universe that is governed by quantum mechanics, and quantum mechanics says that sometimes things can travel through solid walls without having to pass over them, right? So in quantum right. mechanics, you have quantum tunneling, which is where you can have a, a barrier like a like a sheet of metal or something, and you have an electron on one side of that sheet of metal, and it, it you know, it doesn't have enough energy to go over, or like you, you're not moving it at all, but every once in a while it'll just kind of materialize on the other side. Uh, this is called quantum tunneling, and it happens all the time. Like in, in electronics, we use it for certain kinds of microscopes, and and it happens in like flash drives and all these kinds of things. Like quantum tunneling is just the thing that happens on the quantum scale. Things can sometimes just move through barriers. Unfortunately, it applies to the Higgs field too. Okay. So uh, you're the little so, like the little jump yeah. that's just like yeah. Goes so through. this this little you know pebble in a divot can just tunnel right through that that divot, divot. and end up rolling down the the valley, oh right? So that's bad. Um, <laughs> so so the reason that's bad is that quantum tunneling is the sort of thing that you cannot predict, right? It it could happen at any moment. Um, the if you what you can do is you can say. You can put some kind of uh, some kind of number on like the decay rate, just like with with uh, radioactive decay. You get a half life that says that you know by a certain number of years, half of your material will have will have um, have disintegrated, but you don't know which half or anything like that. Any particular atom, you can't say when that one's going to decay. It's the same with the Higgs field. So we know that uh, based on current calculations. Uh, the that half life kind of number, the the time it would take for this bubble to form spontaneously mm. is something like ten to the power of a hundred years. So it's a very long time. Okay. Very long time from now. Um, <laughs> but that said, it could happen at any moment, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and I was so, like, I mean, oh, um, oh my god, it's just very, it's just very unlikely. Uh, but then, but the then, other so thing, if that happened in like mm -hmm. a really far, far away part of the universe, then it would also just take a long time to get to us as well, right? It would take, yeah, like yeah. It, it technically could have happened, and we're just waiting for it. I mean, so well, according to according to our understanding of the standard model of particle physics, yeah, it'll happen eventually. Like if you mm -hmm. leave the universe alone long enough. It, that it'll happen. happen. Um, but, you know, you can take comfort from a few things. You can take comfort from the fact that 
you know, um, nothing you could do about it if it were happening. Um, <laughs> also from the fact that uh, it's painless, you wouldn't see it coming. It's right. not scary. You probably wouldn't really notice in any way that means anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to miss you. You know, the whole universe right. goes. There's Everyone's no gone. FOMO or anything Pretty like that. Pretty fair. Like, it's not, yeah, yeah, no FOMO. I um, have bad FOMO. FOMO is like the true, <laughs> that's the true bad ending. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but then also, like, we, we know that the standard model of particle physics is complete. Because we know that it doesn't work with gravity, that it doesn't oh, yeah. work with doesn't work with uh, dark matter, which is this sort of mysterious stuff that's most of the matter in the universe, but it's not accounted for by the particles we know about in the standard model of particle physics. So we know that that model is incomplete. So maybe when we find the complete story of particle physics, it'll say actually we're not in a false vacuum at all. But we don't oh. know. Yet. So. We're trying to figure that out. Oh my gosh. What a great hopeful ending. (laughs) But I also love how you started by being like, well, here's some things that are good. This will be some hope for you. Okay. You can't control it. (laughs) And you would just instantly die along with all your friends and family. No, which is great. (laughs) Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about things you can't do anything about. Right. Yeah. And also you, you kind of, yeah, you talk a bit about in the book, which I think is true, which is like, if you're of a dream of writing a screenplay or something, write your, like do (laughs) whatever, because you know, like we all might just get obliterated as we go to the true, not the false yeah <laughs> version of whatever we are in right now we are false oh my god okay we definitely have to have like another podcast that you come on and you talk about dark matter because we yeah. didn't even get okay. into that and that's another sure. thing that i'm so sure. interested in whenever i read i'm like, <laughs> like say <that>. what <laughs> um, <laughs> but like before we end i'm just like yeah. what do you like like how do you come i mean maybe this is so natural for you to speak about these things and think about these things mm-hmm. but for me even like i love this so much but i know like after this i'm gonna like i don't know like do something to bring my brain right, right, back right, yeah. down to earth kind of yeah. way yeah. i wonder do you feel the need to do that or not maybe you're just so used to it and if you do how do you do yeah, that? yeah um i mean sometimes yeah so if i if i'm really uh engulfed in work like engrossed in my work which happens very rarely lately because it seems like there's always emails or or something happening um but when i when i get really engrossed with my work it does it does sometimes take me some time to like remember how to talk to people um so so that's that's definitely a thing um as for how i deal with that i don't know i i do a lot of um I, i consume a lot of science fiction which is, you know, I like I like science fiction about spaceships. You know, I read books about spaceships. I watch TV shows about spaceships. I, I enjoy that a lot. And that that uh, definitely can help sort of reset my brain. Um, is it and, always spaceships? Like me. what science? I love it's science not, fiction, but I kind of like weird, like almost like apocalyptic climate change, like not that far in the future type. Uh, of, like, I so find what that kind so of, stressful. Yeah, me too. But I, it makes me, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what sort of science fiction do you love? I mean, so the reason I, ch- I say spaceships is because I figure if it involves spaceships, then it's futuristic enough that it's definitely it's like escapist. From, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it has yeah, nothing yeah, to do true, with true. my life. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I mean, I like a lot of different kinds of science fiction. Not everything I, I consume does involve spaceships, but um, sometimes it involves time travel. That's fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I really like all the Star Trek uh, shows. I I really love the TV show The Expanse. Um, that's great. Uh, What's that about? And it's I've never heard it's of about that. Um, it's about a, a civilization where there are people living on Earth and on Mars and out in the asteroid belt, and they have like all these weird sort of conflicts and stuff. And then there's this sort of alien uh, 
threat. And it's very good. Huh. It's very good. Yeah, no, I think I've like never it. watched Star Trek, and I feel like I really? should, and I feel like I would love it. Do you like it's, the new one? Uh, Picard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like but, all of them. I, well, the, I've never seen Enterprise. I've seen all the others, um, hmm. but um, I'm I'm rewatching Deep Space Nine at the moment, which is fun. Okay. Ooh, and Battlestar Galactica. You talking about? Earlier I liked Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that was yeah, that was great. And yeah, so I, I love those kinds of things, like the you know everybody's traveling around in spaceships in the future. Um, <laughs> all right, no, that's cool. <laughs> Do you think we're gonna get off this planet? Oh, I'm just I'm just still throwing you like really yeah, tough yeah. questions. Um, Do you think we're gonna? Um, like off. like end up having like permanent habitats on mars or whatever yeah well i just find it another thing your book made me think about was you know like you do mention that we are like the sun will engulf the earth like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah so there's there's that's almost like, like a micro yeah, we, to we like do have a, we do have a time limit i mean it's a billion yeah. years but um. and it's like it's like a micro scale <laughs> like in the way that you talk about everything it's yeah, sort of funny yeah. that like that becomes yeah. small that i'm just like yeah do you think we'll escape that uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I really yeah. don't know. And um, it's it, yeah, it's very hard to say. I think. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen in a million years, much less a billion. I mean, yeah. a billion years yeah. is around when the Earth will get so hot from the sun getting brighter that the oceans will boil off. Yeah, it takes a little longer for the sun to actually engulf things, but but just the, yeah, the yeah, sort I of see. yeah. Um, but, uh, but I don't, yeah, I really don't know. I think, I think it's possible. I think it's very possible that we'll find ways to live in space. Um, but, uh, it's really hard and it's not something that we can easily do now. I think people talk a lot about like, oh, we need to go to Mars. So we have a backup planet and stuff like that. Like there's, there's basically nothing you could do to earth that would make it less habitable than Mars. Right. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, you throw an asteroid at it, uh, you could, you, you know, horrifically, horrible climate change um you know nuclear winter all those things are way more survivable than mars oh so, that's an interesting perspective yeah, yeah i mean because if you go to mars you're living you're living underground in this hostile radiation environment with no you know like a very thin atmosphere with almost no oxygen the the soil is toxic right? like you, have, you, have, you have less uh less solar radiation like just everything about it is unlivable i mean it's cool because there's no twitter it's like what <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a cool place. Like I want to go. It looks amazing. Um and there's and it's the closest we have to Earth. Uh but it's also like everywhere on Earth is more is easily easier to live in than Mars and virtually anything you could do to Earth short of like hitting it with something the size of Mars or whatever like you know <laughs> almost almost anything you could do to Earth right. uh, is wouldn't is not going to Yeah, wouldn't make it worse. I mean, we have a we have a global <laughs> magnetic field. That alone is really important. So um, I love our global magnetic field. It's really good. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really so helpful. Good. It's so helpful. <laughs> Katie, thank you, thank so, you so much. Wait, where can people get your book? Oh, uh, uh, people can get my book uh, at whatever whatever bookstore they like all they over prefer. the place. Yeah, yeah. Online um, in stores. Yeah, so you know, check out uh, check out your your local indie sellers. You can you can look for it on Amazon. Um, you know, Barnes and Noble, all those different places. Um, and then and, where can they uh, follow also, you? Ah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Astro Katie on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Astro Katie. And I'm on Instagram. And I recently got a new handle on Instagram. It's Astro Katie Mac. Because uh, nice. right. the, the handle Astro Katie was taken. And I can't. No. Oh, my God. I, Give I, it I, over. I, yeah. 
uh, I keep I keep writing to the person who who has the handle and being, being like please, and she just ignores me and then posts. Maybe send them of one of your Does brilliant. She, oh, she actually posts pictures of like she's active. She's like actively uh, sort of. And she wasn't for a number of years, and then and then she turned on like she started using it again, and now like anyway. <laughs> you just look um, at her photos every day, like no. I mean, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I don't want to don't, <laughs> don't 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 go like harass her. Or yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. dogs but, um, be Yeah, no, on no. Um, but anyway, so Astro Kitty Mac is my uh, my Instagram handle. Um, so those are the, the book oh, is incredible. Oh, go. oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no, go, go. Say, you have something to say. Uh, I was just going to go just, off. I just great wanted to say uh, my website astrokitty.com has book information and and all the social media and stuff. It's such a great book. You should be Thank so you. proud. It's Thank like, you. obviously, from this conversation, people can understand how intelligent you are. But I think it takes an incredible intelligence to make this type of stuff, you know, like something accessible. that us, we can absorb. <laughs> and I really think that this book is so amazing. And I I haven't finished Thank it, but so I like much. cannot wait to literally like hang up this call so that I can continue <laughs> to go to go read it. Like, it's just it's so, so freaking good. And I just like Thank hope you, so you enjoy because I know releasing art or and science can mm -hmm. feel weird but do your best to just take it in because it's so incredible thank you i really appreciate that i'm really i'm really glad to hear that you like it um that's you know it's at the stage where very few people have read it so far so so anybody saying they like it is like oh it's actually good Yay. baby Yay. yes <laughs> it's so good it's great oh, and you know it's just you. about the end of everything amazing topic to learn about um yeah well hopefully we can have you back on sometime because i do feel like there are so many other yes. things in physics that we do not understand and would love your help understanding okay yeah i'd love to i'd love to come back and talk about dark matter or dark energy or yeah whatever. yes please okay amazing. thank you well for everyone listening you can use the hashtag side note podcast to chat about us to let katie know what you think uh, your favorite uh, ending of the universe <laughs> is otherwise we will talk to you guys next week see you later Bye. thank you How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.